That's how the Flyers won two Stanley Cups is like literally bullying the opponent. That's a bullying. I'm not just beating them up. They're just like intimidating them, pushing them, pushing them, pushing them until they go away. Right. And I know that strategy can only be sustainable so long, but like the the fear is a very, very powerful thing. Same thing in football too. Exactly. If you can instill fear into your opponent and if someone feels dominated dominated by you like mentally and you own them. Hi, my name is Riley Cote, former Philadelphia Flyer, and you're listening to the Heads and Tails podcast. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Som, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life. You can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. This week I'm interviewing Riley Cote, who's a Canadian and a former professional ice hockey left winger and is currently an assistant coach with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms of the American Hockey League. He played eight National Hockey League seasons with the Philadelphia Flyers, where he was known as an enforcer on the ice. Riley announced his retirement from professional hockey at the age of 28, and we had talked previously kind of about uh, what might have led, led to your retirement in terms of like the style that we both, I played football and then you played hockey, mm-hmm. in terms of like this enforcer kind of mentality and known for hitting people and being aggressive out there. So what, what, what do you have to do to be deemed an enforcer on the ice in the NHL? Like what qualities or characteristics does that look like? Well, you have to be fearless. Um, you have to be able to sacrifice your physical body and uh, you have to be willing to fight and f- not just fight, but fight anybody. And that means the biggest guy, the middle guy and, and the smallest guy if he wants to fight, which usually doesn't happen. But um, yeah, there's, you know, there's, uh, there's some responsibilities that come along with the role and that's, you know, protecting your teammates and, you know, um, being a good character guy, but also creating energy when energy is needed. So there's a, you know, there's a bunch of different things. Um, even though the, the role back in the day was somewhat one-dimensional, I think there was a lot of uh, you know, elements of, you know, just strictly, you know, there's a, a respect factor there between the teammates and, and the enforcer, but also with the enforcer and the other enforcer. And that's why, that's why there was enforcers, is to, to keep the peace and self-police out there and, and uh, keep everybody uh, in check. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, in my opinion, the game's, uh, you know, kind of gotten away from that. The accountability, the self-policing is to an all-time minimum, and uh, I feel like there's more headshots and more cheap shots and, uh, you know, more injuries than there has ever been. Interesting. So you're saying that there's an enforcer on every team. Well, there was. You know, I, I think, uh, since, you know, since I retired, you know, year by year after that, there was less and less, uh, you know, so-called quote-unquote enforcers that were just one-dimensional fighters and, uh, you know, just hitters and, and grinders. And, you know, now they got four lines that can play and contribute offensively. There's a few guys that are, you know, pretty good hockey players that can still fight. But uh, I think, you know, he went from 30 fights a year, an average guy would fight to, you know, I think the the highest was like nine this year. So it's a significant drop in yeah, fighting sure. majors. And, you know, I understand the direction of the game is fast speed. It's, it, it's, it's, it's quickness, mobility, and it's offense. But um, I don't think you can ever remove, in my opinion, the, the, the true accountability of, of hockey and that's what makes hockey unique from other sports is that there 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 was once a policeman out there so as tough as you wanted to act at one point you had to deal with somebody now now you kind of hide behind the rules and draw penalties go on the power play and you act tough and you bark and you know and and to me that's not a true tough guy and you know there's 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 certain elements that real true tough guys have that that phonies i call them or pretenders right. don't even though they act so tough. so what is a tough guy to you well, a guy again, like would never back down, you know. And, and and when I say that, obviously within hockey, there's times you have to back down because if I'm up two goals, um, you know, and the opponent's building, I don't want to give them energy. So there's a time and a place to fight, and there's time and a place not to. But like everybody knows, like like when I played, you know, against say a guy like Sean Avery, you know, like he's 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 a tough guy. If you want to say he's a tough guy because he fights every so often, but he picks his spots, but he doesn't fight the tough guy. He fights the third, fourth, five, the fifth toughest guy. So to me, when you're that selective and you're picking your spots that well, you're 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 insecure with your your abilities, and you're really not truly a tough guy because you cower to the tough guy. Right. So for me, even though if, even though no, I knew I was gonna get beaten up, I still fought the guy. You know what I mean? Right. And there's a mutual respect there for, by our, both teams and by the tough guy. It doesn't matter if I got my ass spanked. You know what I mean? Because I showed up. I stepped up to the plate because 
that's my job and I and I have to. If I if I didn't, everybody in the building sees it. Right. And you lose respect and you know, now now not only did you not get beat up, you didn't fight and you didn't step up to the plate and then that's more important than losing the fight. Right. When did you start embracing that role as a, a hockey player? Uh, like was, as the enforcer, like young age or? Yeah, you know what? It wasn't until I uh, turned pro. So I played uh, four years of junior hockey in the Western Hockey League. And I think my first year in the junior leagues, I fought the most. I had maybe, you know, nine fighting majors and then it slowly dropped off. I wasn't really a fighter in junior. I actually had 28 goals one year, you know, my last year. And so I actually was... More of a, you know, impact player as far as putting up points, but uh, it wasn't until I turned pro that I made the decision. You know, I looked at the guys getting called up. It was lots of goals, and generally those guys were, uh, you know, drafted or in this or already signed to an NHL team or guys with lots of penalty minutes. So basically I just kind of said to myself I was going to fight uh, the biggest guy and the guy with the most penalty minutes on every team and just, you know, make a name for myself and learn, learn how to fight, learn how to, learn how to do it and do it often and be relentless and get noticed, you know what I mean? Just be aggressive and get in people's faces and call people's bluff and whatever. So I just started doing it and doing it and doing it. And I think every year I was in top three in fighting whatever league I was in and just, uh, you know, just kept working my way up. So they keep stats on that? Penalty minutes? Well, like fighting in general. Well, yeah. I mean, you can go online. There's a you know, bunch of fight websites that you can actually look at how many fighting majors per year a guy would have and who he fought and how it went. And now it's there's so much video that they have every single fight that in the, probably in the last 10 years, like up in, the, in 15 minutes after it happened. So, right. Um, yeah, it's, it's well documented to the people that really follow that stuff. And, you know, for me, like a fight was like a goal. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like I, I felt like I contributed and did my thing and, and – uh, and, you know, I had to really change the way I approached the game because, I mean, I grew up playing hockey, like, the real way my whole life, which is trying to score goals, score goals yeah. <laughs> as opposed to just, uh, you know what I mean, just, uh, you know, being a, trying to be an intimidating force and, you know, putting pucks in the corner and trying to kill guys and snowing the goalie and just being an idiot. And, you know what I mean, I, that, that was kind of my goal when I got on the ice is to, just to be the biggest idiot that, that someone would have to fight me. But... And, but that worked out for you. Cause it worked out for me, you yeah. Think, do you think if you didn't do that that you would have made it to the NHL? No, absolutely not. I mean, uh, that's exactly what I say all the time. Is like uh, if I wouldn't have done that, I would have been maybe a third-line American Hockey League player. You know what I mean? So I, you know, Which is nothing wrong with that, but my, right. my whole goal and dream is to play in the NHL. So I was going to do it whatever way I had to you know, to, to make it. So uh, I certainly didn't script that way when I was six years old playing hockey that I was going right. to be a complete idiot. and. <laughs> And fight everyone and their brother, but you know it's uh, it's just you know you do what you got to do. You know what I mean. And if it's something you believe and you're passionate about, you'll you'll do it. You know. Right. And, and, and unfortunately for me, it was, um, you know, it it was um, there was a lot, obviously a lot of wear and tear physically, but it takes its toll mentally and emotionally and spiritually too. It's it's not it's not a normal state of mind to be uh, you know fighting that regularly. And it's you know fight or flight response. I, I felt like I was always in the fight mode. You know what I mean? Even if I'd finish a fight, I was always worried about the next one. Even, even with, like even with that, that within that game, when the game's over. Even that. Even even if I got a, in a fight in the first period, I mean I. I mean, I fought multiple times, twice and three times in a game. So, like, the anxiety never goes away. And then as soon as the game's over, you know, you, you try and unwind, try and sleep. And then you, while you're doing that, you're thinking about the next night or the next fight. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it wears on you. It's not a normal state of, uh, you know. Right of consciousness to be in. So, um, you know, and that and the physical, the physical body started breaking down. So, I mean, it's, it's, I wasn't sustainable. I, I trained hard. I lifted a lot of weights. I did a lot of training the wrong way. And I, I feel like it, you know, that contributed to injuries at an early age, but. What do you mean training the wrong way? Well, just, you know, I think, you know, the science of, uh, of sports training and performance is, you know, kind of gone from like nothing to heavy, heavy lifting, to getting away from heavy lifting to, you know, more body weight plyometric stuff to now like ton of speed, agility, you right. know. So I think I was a victim of that era, you know, the, heavy, the, lifting. the heavy lifting. <laughs> and if you look at some of the pictures, it was just like a complete meathead. So mindless eating, mindless lifting. I mean, there's, I guess there's some mindfulness to my lifting, but, you know, and I look back on it now and it was, there's nothing functional about it. Nothing functional about it. It's just a straight up human being, let alone a hockey player. So... I've learned a lot of things since I retired, not even about the physical body, but, you know, the mind, the spirit, and, you know, the, the things that I should have been doing on the front end of it when I was playing, right. you know, nutrition-wise, and, uh, and, and, you know what I mean, being sustainable, not drinking and partying as much, and doing all those things that, you know, they, 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 those also contribute to taking its toll, too, so, 
Um, the one thing that I did do that certainly helped me out and I look back on it now and it helped me out even more than I can ever imagine was, was, was uh, I've been a cannabis user since I was 15 years old. So that was my, you know, my de-stressor and that was how I unwinded and actually fell asleep at night and, and, and minimized the anxiety so I could, you know, wake up in the morning and do this all over again. But as I learned the science on, you know, cannabinoids and, uh, you know, and CBD cannabidiol and, you know, the patent, uh, uh, as a neuroprotectant, you know, you, you look at it and you just kind of wonder, like, how can I be in, been in over 250 fights and not be in nearly any of the shape of some of the guys I've played with that had, you know, got a puck in the mouth or, you know, got, got hit in the shoulder in the face, like, like a very, very small impact and they're out and have to retire at the age of 22 or, they're right. you know, post-concussion post, uh, syndrome. And then how I can feel so great and not only feel great, but it's can, can continue to improve my health, you know, now that I'm really into the CBDs and the cannabis, yeah, cannabidiol and all that good stuff. So, you know, the one thing, again, my, I was at the time, it was mindless behavior, but I knew that it gave me relief. It helped me, it helped me unwind. It, it, it just helped the body relax. And now I've, I've learned that it's part of the recovery process. So there was one thing I did right. Unfortunately, when you, you know, you run your physical body into the ground, that hard um, you know you wake up feeling like you're 50 years old and you know my, I couldn't even hope my open my hands it's you know some mornings to hold on to a hockey stick and god knows I really didn't need a hockey stick to play but I still had to have one when I was out there so um, uh, you know it just takes its toll so you know I had to, I, I was I wasn't necessarily forced to retire I had an opportunity to retire at 28 otherwise I would have probably continue to slug it out and just you know kind of grind my body uh, into the ground even further. So, you know, thank God I had the opportunity to retire and have a job, you know, with the Phantoms and everything. So, um, it all worked out on that end of it, but, um, yeah, certainly I didn't ever expect to retire at 28. Oh, okay. But you think that the style of play led to that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Decision? Yeah. For sure. I mean, the, the, again, just like every single game and practice, I feel like I was just nursing something new. You know what I mean? If it wasn't my hands, it was my shoulders, my knees. And it's just like, I mean, think about it. I mean, every shift, my whole objective was to at least get one hit and possibly a fight, if, you know what I mean, if it was warranted. But um, you know what I mean? So it's, that's this wear and tear above and beyond just playing hockey too. Right. So I'm curious yeah. to to hear about like how you learned how to fight and like, you said that you sometimes you kind of like set people up, like throwing pucks in the corner to set up your hits, right? Yeah. So, like, where did you learn that, and you know how big a part of the game is that? Well, I think it's a less a part of the game now. I think obviously there's still forechecking and hitting, but I think I think that fourth line role of the guy like me was like if if I was on the ice, both teams knew, and I'm not just saying specifically myself, but the types of players that I was that there was going to be fireworks probably especially you know towards the end of the game if the game was out of hand or you know I mean you can de you can generally feel it happening sometimes depending on the score and if you know things are getting a hand or uh, getting a little bit out of hand on the ice so when I would step on the ice like I knew that I was going to try and do something the bench kind of knew that you know there's kind of waiting for me to do something like so right. So if I just would cruise around a shift and nothing happened, like that's a non-productive shift for me. So I mean, I got to get on the body. I got to like you know turn the defenseman around, get a hit, and at least make him feel it. If the puck is frozen in front of the goalie, stop there. Probably snow him a little bit and create a little a, a, a little skirmish. Oh. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, and then if someone wants to fight, they might, but probably not at the, uh, in those situations unless it was warranted again. But um, I, I, didn't, I, I learned just from, you know, studying the game. I've been, I've been around the game my whole life, and I played four years junior. Where there was, I played with tons of, tons of tough guys. played with Todd Fedoric and a bunch of other guys that ended up playing in the NHL. So I knew the role. My, my roommate was a, was a tough guy. I fought him in practice and stuff like that back in the day. And, um, but you have to make a decision to do it. It's not something you can half-ass. You're not going to be like, I'm going to be a half-ass tough guy. You know what I mean? You're either all in or you're not a tough guy. You know what I mean? Right. And um, every game you have to fight someone? Not every game. I mean, every game you're mentally prepared to fight someone. Okay. Because I mean, if you don't, if you don't go in mentally prepared and, and you have to fight, then you then so you've already not, lost. Not being all in, yeah. Yes, yeah, so you're not all in. So there's a certainly that what I was talking about earlier is the anxiety. There was tons of times where I'm cranking Sudafed, drinking coffee, getting all jacked up to fight, 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 and then the fight never happened. So it's like I did all this preparation for nothing. Right. Which is, I mean, it was I guess it was good. It saved my physical body, but it's still like. I was still stressed the whole time. You know what I mean? Right. I, you know, it was like totally in fight mode. So, so you always felt kind of pressured to do that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, that was my job. I knew I had to do it. So um, no one ever told me to do it. But you it just was, knew. Yeah. Yeah. I just knew. I mean, it was, 
that was kind of like who, who I was. I was just like a fearless guy that, you know, just borderline crazy and just like, you know, just reckless. You know what I mean? And just like didn't care. Like it was just like I had to do it and no one would stop me and, but but, my, but myself. You know what I mean? And right. So, um, yeah, that was. In terms of like techniques and fighting, like if we're talking like Mighty Ducks, like yeah. sticks, glove, shirt over the head, like. How did you approach these fights, and like, how does someone win a fight versus like, like who wins at the end of the the fight? Yeah, well, I think uh, like for me, uh, I'm a lefty, so I you know I threw through predominantly left punch, you know, left-handed punches and stuff like that. But for me, I wasn't a technical fighter. It was uh, I certainly took you know some you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and stuff, some you know stand-up Greco-Roman wrestling stuff like that you know, to get grips and stuff like that. But my, you know, my whole philosophy was punches and punches. I mean, hockey fights, like, average 30 seconds, 45 seconds tops. Like, that would be a, be a long fight. So if you can get a few licks in and do your damage, and, you know what I mean, usually the, the guy that gets the first hardest punch in has the, the upper hand. But, I mean, the winning and losing a fight can be pretty, pretty obvious as knocking a guy out cleanly where, like, the whole building knows who won the fight. Right. And, uh, you know, there's been fights where, I, you know, you get... 10 times more punches in on the guy, but he like lifts up my pant leg and rolls me over and falls on top. And then if I'm in their building, they'll all cheer thinking that they won the fight. But like between us two and everybody else that plays (laughs) hockey knows that I also landed 10 punches on his nose and he just threw me over because he didn't want to get hit anymore. You know what I mean? It was like, so I think, I I, I think between the two opponents, because they're the ones that are getting hit and hitting, they know, you know, they know. You know what I mean? If, if it's if no one's raising obs- a hand at the end of the day, yeah, it's, it's some some guys do do that. You know, I think it's it's just emotions after a fight. You know what I mean? And, and they're trying to get their team jacked up. I've seen guys get their ass beat and they still do that. You know what I mean? Because right. it's just like the whole thing is trying trying to create energy. So, like um, in the stadium with the fans or like with yeah, the with teams? the team, yeah. So say like so say you're down a couple goals and like say we're down a couple goals and I I get a shift out there. I mean, it's like now I'm licking my chops. Like now is like for sure I have to, you know, do my best to try and get something going. So if I'm lining up with a guy that I know I'll fight, I'll ask him and he will probably say no off the draw because like, why would I fight you? Or that we're up two goals and I'm not going to give you guys any momentum energy. So you ask him to fight. Oh yeah. Like, like very peacefully, just like that. I'll be like, can you give me one? Or we're going (laughs) to, and he'd be like, no, no, I can't either. Like, I can't do it now. So I'll be like, all right. I'm like, I'm going to force you to fight. So then I'll puck will drop. (laughs) And then however it develops, like, you know what I mean? I'll go around and, you know, give a guy a couple taps and you can possibly get on the body depending on how the play plays out. And, Hopefully, I've done enough by the end of that shift that he, he he's forced to fight me. You know what I mean? Right. So now I've done my job to to create a fight where, um, you know, normally he would just say no, and then you know what I mean. So, but but it's not that easy sometimes. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes it almost based off what you're saying, it seems like it's almost like forced sometimes. Like, does it lose its effectiveness when you like go out there? You're like, all right, like everyone knows that I need to do this to like create energy, but like it's like forced energy does it yeah but it, you know what it's i don't know if it's forced energy like because i mean you go to a hockey game fans cheer with a goal a big save and a fight i mean there's no right. it doesn't matter how the fight starts they don't care okay you know what i mean so yeah. um energy is a pretty interesting thing so when you got twenty thousand people going crazy i mean it's hard not to feel Gets energy you, up, you know yeah. what i mean it's like like i said like some people just get jacked up even if they lost the fight, because it was just like so so much yeah, energy. You know what right. I mean? I don't think people, most people understand what it's like to be in a fight, especially in front of 20, 25, 22,000 people. So what is it like? Well, it's it's an experience you really can't explain. I mean, it's like not, nothing but adrenaline. I mean, I think like you hear the crowd, but you don't really hear the crowd, and you're just like every kind of the, the square off, somewhat slow motion. And like for me, once I was in it, there was really no thinking. It was just like adrenaline takes over and. Whatever, however you trained, and however you, you know, how how you throw punches and defend, it's like just kind of it becomes instinctive. You don't, right? You know, I wasn't a technical fighter where I'm slowing. There's some guys that would really tie up and move around, and they're thinking, you know, like playing a chess game. It's like I didn't want to fight like that. You know, what I mean, I was old school, and I just, uh, you know, it's win or lose. It's just like just throw, and then that's that's it. You know, right. so a couple um, questions. What did you ever get like messed up after a fight? Like after. Like head injury wise, in terms of like you just felt like you were off after a fight. Yeah, you know, there was, was a couple. I mean, there's probably three that stick around in my head, and 
but they didn't really last until you know they didn't really even trickle over into the next day it was just like that night and it's just like you know the old saying get your bell rung like clearly felt the bell ring but uh <laughs> you know and after you're just like there's some swelling involved that's you know making your head feel kind of you know from the physical side like from the outside and obviously some probably some swelling on the inside but you know um i had a cracked sinus cavity but you know like i remember uh i remember having a black eye and being in the shower and blowing my nose and my whole other side of my eye puffed up like a like an in, like a balloon inside my head. When and you blew your nose, blew my nose in the shower, and so now I then like I came out of the shower and I had two swollen eyes. Like it was just the weirdest thing, but like doctors like ah oh, you know there's nothing to do with a broken sinus cavity, so you can go play. So the next game I'm out there with two swollen eyes, shut like looking for fights like an idiot. <laughs> but yeah, you know what? I, you know for the amount of punches I took and f- how many fights I've been in, I mean. like, I didn't. Uh, I didn't get hit as hard as, you know, as hard as I should have. Probably. I mean, I have been hit hard. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, like a lot of them are just like get hit. But like they're, they're more like they, they'll split you open, make you make you have a black eye. But like not like right. knock you out. Type of have thing. you ever felt bad after a fight that like you're like ah like I kind of messed that guy up like too much? Or- Maybe not right at the moment, but. Uh, but uh, like the, I think after you find out he's hurt, you know what I mean? Because like yeah. the adre- again the adrenaline is like, like it's almost like an ego thing. If you were to like like I remember one one fight I fought this guy Brian McGratton in in Philly and there was all kinds of hype on it because of some stuff that happened previously. But I landed up you know winning the fight and he leaves the game like separated shoulder like he's like off the ice like this and it's like you know I, don't, I never want to like put a guy out six to eight weeks. You know what I mean? That was a you know one of those things like. You feel bad, like you know what I mean. And I know guys like if you, not that I knocked the guy out so bad that he was like sleeping for three days. But I know guys that have like hurt hurt guys that, like broken their orbital bones like really bad. Where like right. you know, give him a phone call and stuff like that. Cause you don't want to like. There is a, there is like an, a respect in this game. Okay. And that's you know what I mean. And that's why there is what kind of always been you know fighters and tough guys is to keep that respect and everything in check. I mean, you know guys like Gretzky and Lemieux they, like. They never hardly got touched. I mean, Gretzky brought around, you know, he had Dave Semenko with them, and he, he goes to L.A., brings Marty McSorley with them. He's always got a tough guy around him. And to they, protect him? Protect him. Look at Crosby. I mean, Crosby suffers from how many concussions in how many years? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? He gets hit a ton. I mean, he plays He clearly plays a lot different style than Gretzky ever did. Like, he gets involved, but, like, it's a lot of concussions. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, if you're a star player, you're paying how much, I don't even know, $10, $12 million a year? Like, right. You'd think that you'd want to protect your investment. I mean, they've done something right because it wouldn't Stanley Cups. But nonetheless, I mean, it's. Uh, I still think that there's a lack of respect, uh, you know, with, with, without the without without the you know the real need for. That's interesting you say that because I I think I'm a football guy at heart, so I think to football a lot. And when guys make cheap shots like in the NFL, I always think about like what's their intent? Like, yeah. are they trying to like hurt them? Are they trying to restore that energy in the stadium like you were talking about? Yeah. Like, you're going to put people, like, you could hurt someone. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear you say that there's always that respect there. You know, yeah. like, you call the guy after you found out he was hurt. Um, It's it's just interesting to me. I yeah. I, and I, I, I can't speak for, for football guys because I, I don't know what it's like to stand on that line. And, like, I mean, I have to believe your simple objective is to kill a guy. You know what I mean? And it's like, do whatever you can do to not let this guy hit your quarterback or whatever. Like, not that they're like saying I'm gonna break this guy's knee or I'm gonna you know do all this stuff. They might. I mean, I don't. I don't know. But and there might be some guys in hockey that do that. But I think for the general guy is like, you want to play hard. You wanna you want to control your opponent, but you really don't want to see him. You don't want to see him hurt. Like you know what I mean? I think that's because that like, could be you too. I, I mean, I think that's just karma. It's like you know what I mean? It's yeah. like especially in cheap shots. If it's a fair and square fight, and someone gets hurt. Well, they both signed up for it. But if it's like some cheap blatant hit, like that to me is like what needs to be eliminated and what causes more of the injuries than the fight itself, you know? Do you think that referees in hockey can control that or do you think no. the enforcer needs to the control enforcer that? Is, yeah. The police or the uh, police, yeah, the, uh, the the refs try to control it like the police do. But it's kind of like it's kind of like almost like the underground where it's like you try and control the underground, you got organized crime and all this stuff. But does it really work? I mean, so the self-policing in hockey, it's like there's more, there's more respect from the actual fighter 
and the self-policing in the game than the ref trying to control the game. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you just put guys in the in the penalty box all day long, but you haven't really addressed the problem. You know what I mean? It's like right. put guys in jail all day long, but until you, you eliminate the war on drugs, and the, you know what I mean, and give these guys a reason to do that, then you haven't really fixed the problem. So right. like the root of the issue. The root yeah. of the issue. So like for me, it's like... The, from an outsider's perspective, the most violent days in hockey were, you know, the Broad Street Bullies era, you know, trickled into the 80s there. And, you know, from an outsider's perspective, tons of fights, probably, you know, borderline, in my opinion, if I want to be realistic about it, probably over the top with the bench brawls and line brawls all the time, except for there was actually a lot more respect in the game and between the people. You didn't see, like, you didn't see, like, dirty cheap shots. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, you, and because if you did... You know what I mean? That's what happened. You get messed up, yeah. So if there's a, if, if you could find like a, a fine line of like the new way, this new NHL speed scoring and stuff like that, and find like you know maybe you don't doesn't have to be this huge mutant of a fighter, tough guy, but there's a couple guys like I said still floating around, but you still have that element of accountability. But what they did too was like I think it was in the early '90s they put this instigator rule in. So like back in the day, if you ran my my star player right in front of me, I could basically grab you, fight you, and then you each get five minutes for fighting. So there was no power play. There was no special teams involved. Where now, if that happened and I grabbed you, I get two minutes for instigating, for being the instigator. five minutes for fighting, and 10 minutes misconduct. So I put my team down two minutes, but I put myself out of the game 17 minutes. So it's like, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, so as strategy, if you're the guy that's, you know, that made the big hit and you know that someone's going to come after you, why fight him? Turtle. Let them hit you. Right. Then so you're then you're going to go on the power play. And then, you know what I mean? So it's like, to me, that's like, yeah, in, in, the, in, the new ho- in new hockey, that's a great strategy. Everyone can, you can praise that. You can be like, yeah, way to go. You know, you drew a penalty and stuff like that. But, like, for guys that are, like, really, you know, genuinely tough guys that, like, or understand, you know, the respect and code and all that stuff, like, if you want to be like that, just, just stand, you know, step up and, and fight. You know what I mean? There's, and then everyone, you know, you, you're in the respect of the guys fighting you because, you made a cheap shot, and you're actually standing up and 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 you know taking ownership for it, right? Or you just turtle, and it's like, yeah, yeah. You could like smile to the you know back to your bench and be like, yeah, yeah. You're going to the penalty box, and I'm going to the bench, and we're going to go on the power play and score. But like to me, that's like, like I lose I, I lose I lose respect for people that are like that because right. they say if you want to play hard, play hard. But if you cross that line and make a cheap shot, it happens. I've done it. I don't necessarily do it. I didn't ever necessarily do it on purpose, but I'm trying to get a hit. Guy moves out of the way. I stick out my leg or my arm or whatever, and it looks cheap, and it is. But if someone came after me, I wouldn't turtle. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I, you know, I put myself in that situation, so now I got I to gotta own it. So I have respect for that. And if you don't, I don't have respect for that. You know what I mean? And that's what I, I guess that's the problem I have with it now is, like, we hide behind the rules. You know, we can, we can go be cheap, and someone comes in, comes after you to you know and in you response turtle, and you right. turtle it's like to me that's just like i don't know you know i don't like that you know i i think they're they're, they're missing they're missing the point with it all but that's just my opinion so i know, I know there's other people that feel the same way but yeah it's never going to go back the way it was and i get that but i think there's a fine line of probably too aggressive um you know on paper back in the day and what they allowed. And, and now it's, it's just the other way. You can't do anything. It's just like they, everything is special teams. Now they put you in the penalty box for everything. You know what I mean? Push right. and shove. It's almost like they take the emotion out of the game. They take the spirit out of the game, which I hate. You know what I mean? Because it's such a unique game. And like that was, that's how the Flyers won two Stanley Cups is like literally bullying the opponent. And that's a bullying. I'm not just beating them up, but just like intimidating and pushing them, pushing them, pushing them until they go away. Right. And I know that strategy fear, can only be fear, sustainable yeah. so long, but like so the, the fear is a very, very powerful thing. Same it, thing in football too. Exactly. Yeah. If you can instill fear and, and into your opponent, and if someone feels dominated, dominated by you, like mentally, and you own them. And that's what I've learned about the hockey fighting role. I'm not a, I'm not a really tough guy. Like, I am because I'll show up when I need to, and you know I mean, I, I I take care of business when I have to. But like, I don't go looking for fights. I've been you know two street fights my whole life because I just, I'm a peaceful guy. I don't, but that was business. I had to do it. Surgeries, uh, um, broken foot. But I, you know, I guess I was probably more averaging like a surgery a year, which I mean, surgeries in itself, like I think they set you back in the long run. You know what I mean? And but it, you know, some of them were inevitable and. You know, some of them I look back and maybe I should have waited, but um, you know, just this, again, it's just like you're you're just you're just a moving part, and you know, you, you have to do what you gotta do to 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 be to survive, and you know, 
to to, to be to be self sustainable, but it it takes its toll. And you know, if you take yourself out of the lineup for one day, someone takes your spot, and then you got to earn your spot back, especially if you're a fringe player. So it's you never want to take yourself out of the lineup. So you play, you know, you play on one leg if you physically could, but um, you know, it's just the Do way. Do you it regret is. any like the way that you played at all? No, not at all. I don't. I don't regret anything because I, I really really believe that how I lived and how you know how I played the game and the opportunities I got by how I played the game gave me opportunities on the back end of it and got me here today and getting you know had the opportunity to work with a ton of great people and meet a ton of great people and you know I, just, I have no regrets I mean it's the one regret would have been would be was maybe I should have tried to play hockey a little bit more and in, in, uh, and and fight a little bit less but uh, you know I'm one of those guys if I'm going to do something I do it um, you know all out and and you that said was, that you kind of have to have that mentality. Yeah, and that was just yeah. the way I approached it. I was just like, I was just, I was a complete meathead. You know what I mean? Like, first guy at the ring, lift, lift, lift. You know, go take Brazilian jiu-jitsu or whatever, and train, and just kind of like had to so what, what mold, advice, mold my mind to. What to, advice would you give to an athlete or a hockey player who's the exact same way, the, that same guy that you just described? To the, today? Yeah. Well, if I if 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 he was wired like me, I'd have to say, well, you certainly have to work on your hockey skills because there's no there's no way you're gonna make it the way I did today because that that's like that's never gonna happen again because there's no room for you know what I mean guys like me anymore. So certainly you're gonna have to work on your ability playing you know playing hockey you know basic fundamentals and and, and be a much more mobile, be a great skater. You know what I mean? Work on your skating and become efficient and and functional you know i was never functional i mean i i, I didn't really get functional until i was like you know 24 25 so i've already, already been fighting you know for you know four years but i was fighting more as a meathead just lifting heavy no no real no real uh you know plan but just throwing punches and until i started really training for it and leaning up a little bit i, I think i got a little bit heavy and i again i wasn't that training besides the the mma stuff uh lifting wise i was doing too much lifting i wasn't functional and I look back on it now. I'm so much, I'm so into you know movement and uh, and yoga and like stuff that just like so, it's just so perfect for you know the flow of the human body. And you look at like UFC fighters, like these guys, these guys train the right way. They're probably the most conditioned athletes on the planet, but they're so functional. Everything they do is about full body power, and you know what I mean. And yeah. they they lean up to go down weight class, where I was beefing up to move up weight class. So. I know I had to do all that and a lot of it was mindless. Um, but now I, I feel like all this stuff is, you know, forced me to, to change a lot of my behaviors and, uh, you know, find my way. Do you think that, like, what do you think has led to this change in like h hockey? Do you think that is the rule changes that they're making? Like, doesn't the yeah. NFL have like a player safety, like, I think like a part of their website or something, yeah. they have like this player safety thing where they put videos of like dirty hits. Yeah. Like, do you think that, that is why the game's evolving or you know what i i, I think there's a lot of uh, you know pressure from insurance companies i i think I, I think the numbers don't lie as far as the actual amount of concussions that are caused from fights when it's only about four percent of all concussions come from fights so that's a pretty small number so i think but it's easy to demonize fighting because it's like you, you look at so, how you guys punch, is it yeah, yeah. Well, exactly and, and, and you you can you can paint that picture so negatively all day long it's yeah. easy right it's an easy sell to take fighting out of it and saying well this is like barbaric and these are causing all these issues it's just easy like political sell media sell yeah. so um you know and, and the guys are bigger faster stronger than ever so the amount of time you have to like hold up if a guy's in a bad spot is, is a lot less so guys are even guys who are trying to do the right thing they can't so like again they're if you look, if you look at that 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 site you're talking about, some of the, the the stuff that happens is like incredible. Like, like that wouldn't happen 20 years ago. I'm telling you, because some big dogs would be on the ice and they would, you know what I mean? They would they would tone things down. You know what I mean? But now it's like, you think you think suspending guys more is going to stop it? No, because it's like the the game's too fast to stop it. You know what I mean? So you have to slow it down somewhere. You have to, you have to instill some rules that might be able to actually get in the way and slow get four checks down so guys don't get killed. But also you got to do something with how you, how, you, how you deal with cheap shots. It's like, again, are you going to let the refs take care of it or are you going to, you know, is someone going to take care of it on the ice? And there's still instances where guys take care of it on the ice because it's so blatantly obvious that you have to, but there's a lot of stuff that gets just dusted under the rug and it's just, it's, it's just policed by the refs. It's interesting you say that because walking in here today, 
I was kind of under the mentality that like fighting is like you said, like it's an easy thing to get rid of. And like to the outside, it doesn't look like it adds any value to the game in my mind walking in here. Mm. And I remember even being in college in one of my classes, and there was a huge hockey fan, this girl in my class. And she was talking about how important hockey was or how important fighting and mm-hmm. hockey was. And I'm like, Mr. Concussion Advocate, yeah, like yeah. this guy. I'm like, no, no, no. You know, yeah. like freaking, I don't know, not very open-minded. And I'm like, yeah, fighting's like so stupid, easy. You, like, you want to fix hockey, like that's what you have to do. Yeah. But it's interesting to hear your perspective on how that kind of policing is necessary in the sport and how these kind of hits that are more dangerous in, in some degrees, like wouldn't even happen, you know, 20 years ago because For sure. they would be afraid to do it. That's exactly it. Like I said, it's like fear is a, is a very powerful thing. And like, I know I've played games where like a team would have an enforcer and for whatever reason he wasn't playing, he was hurt or something happened. They played somebody else. Like my mentality changed as soon as I knew he wasn't playing. Right. Because now I could do whatever the heck I want and, and probably not going to have to fight because they had nobody else that would fight me. Because it's it, it, it's just one of those things. It's no different than going to the bar. It's like you go to the bar and this guy wants to act like a jackass and you know act like King, King Kong and grab girls' asses and stuff like that until the girl's biker boyfriend walks in. Right. Does he change, his, so be- does, does he change his behavior? Yeah. Well, probably, right? Yeah. Because now all of a sudden it's like, well, now there's accountability. Accountability is a powerful thing, and if you take that out, everyone's a tough guy then. But in nature and in the, way, in, in the real world, not everyone is. You know what I mean? There's a hierarchy of dominance, and, 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 and that's, what, you know, that, that's, where, that's where like a sport like hockey has that ability to, to bring that out, but it keeps everything in order. You know what I mean? You, yeah. you know what I mean? It keeps everything in check, keeps energy in check, it keeps people in check. But you remove accountability, like I said, everyone... Everyone's a tough guy. Everyone puffs their chest out. Right. But if that biker leaves the bar, again, people start acting up again. It's, you know what I mean? It's, a, you know, it's just it's what it breeds. It's like, because everyone wants to be, do their thing and act all cool and all this and be, you know, hotshot until someone calls their bluff. Right. And now, are you going to buck up or are you going to go away? And most guys go away. You know what I mean? 90% of them go away. 5% of them might puff their chest out and pretend. Maybe 5% might fight you. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, it shows you. I mean, like, I'm not tougher than anybody else. I just decided to do it, and it's, it's called role-playing for a reason. I mean, you, you act tougher. You puff your chest out more, and you really see how people really truly are. They'll, they'll talk a big game. They'll call, you, they'll call you all the names in the book and call you a bad hockey player and pussy and all this other stuff, but it's like until you want to, if you, if, if you want to get down to business and fight man-to-man, it's like most guys don't want to. You know what I mean? Because right. it's, it's hard. Yeah. Since you've gotten out of the NHL, and I mean, you you identified in the NHL as the enforcer. Mm-hmm. You said you like would get anxiety before the games because you knew you had to like fight people and be this guy and mm-hmm. live up to this persona. So since you've uh, gotten out of the NHL, how have you transitioned to a new identity, or maybe even keep the same identity? Yeah. No, I I don't think I have the same identity. I'm not the same person. I'm not doing the same job and uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't feel like the same person at all. I think I've, you know, I think I had like almost like a rebirth when I retired because I, uh, I changed, like I said, I changed a lot of things. I stopped, I stopped partying. I stopped, uh, you know, I stopped drinking for over a year. I, I started, you know, going more whole food, plant-based. I started removing all whey protein and, da- and, and dairy from, from my diet. I started just, you know, I started doing yoga and trying to, know lengthen my body and breathe and understand you know dynamics of stuff i've never even thought about before and and heal i mean my whole journey was to, to heal i mean i i not, not only my physical body breaking down but my, i felt like my mind and my spirit were, were also there along there with it so i needed to build them all up and they you know if you do the right things they come and build up together and people say the mind body spirit so it's uh um it is very holistic and you know so i i am a completely different person my identity when i was playing was uh, you know a meathead and i did what i had to do and um, but that wasn't me, you know what I mean? That got me to where I am today and, you know, it gave me a platform to build off of. And it, it certainly, you know, it's a humbling experience when, you know, you retire from the NHL and then, you know, you all of a sudden you, you get in the coaching, you know, world and, you know, on the other side of the fence. But I am grateful for it because without it, I don't think I would have discovered myself. You know what I mean? I, I, I needed I needed to be kicked out of the boat to 
to swim and uh, and to figure it out. And I've been lucky enough to you know to swim ashore and and and, fi- and figure it all out. And I think I have my you know my my mental health is better than it's ever been. And you know I'm I'm floating at about a buck ninety. I was playing at about two fifteen, but I'm way leaner and feel way better than I ever ever have. And uh, you know everything's you know everything's good. It's if you think if you if you if you work with the universal energy and do the right things, things usually fall into place. So. So I know you kind of mentioned like yoga and changing up your diet. Is there anything else that has kind of changed or has helped you in this transition to life after hockey? <clears throat> yeah, probably, um, probably CBD. I talked about it earlier a little bit. Uh, I've, I've always been a huge, you know, cannabis supporter. It wasn't until I really, um, uh, you know, retired is when I really, really started diving into the hemp side, understanding the nutritional profile of the hemp seed and understanding, uh, you know, the, the, the healing properties of CBD and cannabidiol. So, um, you know, the, that, that alone, I talked about it a little bit earlier as far as, you know, using, you know, cannabis and, and feeling it was protecting my brain without even knowing it. But I feel like the, the CBD on the back end of it and just uh, as a wellness tool, you know, it's high anti-inflammatory properties and antioxidant properties. I feel like that certainly helped me wake up in the morning, feel better. I think it's, 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 it's a, it's a whole package. So, you know, a, a mixture of an anti-inflammatory diet and, you know, removing toxic people and toxic things in my life and, especially destructive substances like alcohol and all that stuff. Um, um, you know, you, 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 you in, include more healing tools, more botanicals, more of this. So it's, it wasn't just, just all that, but I think like the CBD was, it was a new addition to, um, you know, my way of life as well as, you know, yoga and, and eating whole. So, you know, I still do that every single day, but it's, you know, it's, it's, a, you got to stay on top of it. It's not a once a week thing. It's an everyday thing. It's an every meal thing. So, I just you know, I try and get the you know cannabinoids in my system as much as I can, and uh, hemp seeds daily. That's my you know main source of protein and uh, and omega threes. And I start you know, putting I hemp seeds it. in my yogurt in the morning. Yeah, no, it's it's super easy to include into into your diet. So it's uh, and people don't understand how good of a protein source it is. You know what I mean? We just we value we so we put so much value on you know milk and you know what I mean and, and dairy and and. And I'm not sure why, besides that we're just brainwashed into thinking we got to drink one of the fattest mammals' milk on the planet. And, right. and if you learn, you know, a little bit about the, the way protein industry, it's nothing more than, uh, you know, the remnants of the cheese industry that's they grind up and, into a, and basically a powder and, and package and brand the crap out of it. So I always remember looking back, I'm like, geez, I'm like, I'm so gassy and bloated all the time. And I was <laughs> farting, crushed, there farting all day long and just, like, well, just, felt, like, yeah, just felt like Shrek <laughs> out there that I was like... Um, you know, that, that was the one thing I noticed is like, I don't get gas anymore. I don't feel bloated. It's digestible protein. So it's a huge, huge, huge change. You know what I mean? And you feel better and you wake up feeling better. And just like, it just, it just lands up being just like, um, you just like an addiction almost because it's like, you never know how good you're supposed to feel until you feel good. You know what I mean? You think you feel good. You know what I mean? And it's like, I never felt good. If I could have played like, you know, if I could have been like, a different role but you know understand what i know now back then i could have been you know what i mean so much more focused on recovery and being right. sustainable you know what i mean so you know so that's why i was so into you know teaching our players that kind of stuff is you know your, your money is your, your body's your money maker and you have to have to keep it going it's like a, you know a sports car it's like if you just run it to the ground and put regular unleaded and you know it requires premium like it's gonna break down it's no different yeah. I think that's a great message. That's that's gonna be my next question. Is like, how do you coach your athletes differently than maybe you were coached, or to kind of help prevent some of the things that you went through? Yeah, it's exactly what I said. There is like, there's all these things I had to figure out myself too, and that's the the irony of it all. Is like when I went through the system and stuff, they didn't really teach anything besides working out and playing hockey. I mean, now there's so much focus on all these other resources we have. Well, Dr. Jared Spencer, we have all these different, uh, you know. Um, sports performance coaches and mindfulness coaches and, and strength and conditioning and we have sleep doctors and we have all these different tools and resources for our players but um, you know stuff we never had back in the day so I think like for the th- for me all the guys know that I'm just like so into this stuff that it's like the young guys don't see the value in yet because I, I understand that they think they're invincible and they're, you know what I mean they'll live forever and play forever yeah, it but it's always like the older guys that I have these heart to hearts with because they they're, they land up being in that same type of boat that I was like in a different unique way obviously because they're not fighting like I was but like the, the, body, the physical body breaks down whether you're fighting or not I mean I see guys get hurt and retire all the time from just basic wear and tear of hockey because I mean, you get a bad knee injury a shoulder injury like you're just never really the same yeah. you know what I mean it's hard to keep up with the grind 
So yeah, I mean, just you, you, again, if you're if you're in sports, you're in the business of performance, and you have to keep your players healthy to perform as a team at the best level to give yourself a chance to you know get to the playoffs and win. So right. if you're banged up all year long with you know soft tissue injuries that you could have prevented because you're out drinking and you're not doing the right thing and you're doing all this other stuff and you're breaking down because you're not sustainable because you're living like crap, well. So that's on you. Know what I mean, yeah. that's that's just the way it works, you know. And I, I lived it. You know, what I mean, I know, I know. Like looking back on it, that I, you know, created that. It was inevitable. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's, it's that's the way karma works, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's cause and effect. So, yep. you know. is there any significance to the brain on your t- brain tattoo on your arm? Yeah. Um, so there's actually another brain here. Um, so basically, it's a like a mad scientist kind of me. Um, you know, fig- figuring it all out, cranking, cranking out the lab, laboratory, and the thoughts, and then figuring it all out. Really so, cool. Yeah, got a little piece sign here. Yeah, it's cool. I was just curious. Yeah, no, uh, it's just I, mean, I think yeah, it's all kind of re- represents like kind of like phases of who I, you know, how, where I've been and you know how I've discovered certain things. And I feel like I've you know it's challenging of uh, you know a life or a, a career that I had to create for myself. It was. Because that's who I am. Like you know, what I mean, I I love challenge and I love figuring things out. And I think this kind of represents me, like you know, after the facts, I figured out more since I retired in the last you know seven years than I had in the whole twenty years before that. If that makes yeah. any sense, I feel like I had to like relearn what I've already learned because I've always trusted the establishment and trusted um, you know professionals for, you know, um, too too easily and. Um, and I feel like I've had to relearn pretty much everything I've once been taught, you know, again, by the establishment and, 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 and it's, it's about survival. So, I mean, if I was going to keep going on that route and, you know, thinking that I was doing the right things and that's the way we do it in the West and that's the way you're going to live, it's, it's not right. So I had to figure it out. You know what I mean? And, and it's, and it's an ongoing journey. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, I don't claim to know at all or think I have. It's, you know, I think that the learning and the self-discovery is forever so i mean uh i think i've learned a lot but there's so much more to learn right cool man yeah. um a couple of questions before we wrap it up mm-hmm. i'm just curious why nhl players don't wear face masks i'm like i'd be so freaking scared out there with like slap shots coming like yeah. whizzing past my face at like 100 miles an hour well like, now now i think that's been like four or five years if if you're new to the league a rookie and you have you have to wear half visor if you're a rookie well, yeah, and then you're a rookie, but then you have to wear it forever. Like, if you're uh, new okay. players, the last five years, any player that's coming to the league has that's to wear right. half visor. So, like, when I was, like, I didn't wear a half visor. It wasn't until, like, I think two years after I played, I started grandfathering it in. So, like, guys that are, have already been playing don't have to wear a half visor. Okay. Um, again, so, like, for me, as, 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 as an enforcer, I could have worn one. Someone would be like, yeah, you know, protect your eyes. and be like... It's hard to intimidate somebody <laughs> yeah. when you're wearing a visor. You know what I mean? You look like you're like half ass in it. You know what I mean? You want to protect right. your face, but you want to fight at the same time. It's like doesn't really send the right message. It just doesn't. It's not right. So if you had the option, you wouldn't wear one. You know what I mean? But um, now you're forced to. So if you see guys without it, that means they've been grandfathered in before okay. the, the rules and stuff like that. You ever got hit in the face with a puck? I have, yeah, a few times. How'd that feel? Not good. Did it make you question whether you wanted to wear a visor or not? Not, not really. Tell you the honest truth, that my my second year pro, I got a, I got a, a stick in the eye so bad. I ended up having two eye surgeries. So when they sent me when they sent me down to, uh, to, um, to to Syracuse Crunch was in Columbus training Columbus Blue Jackets training camp. They were like, put a helmet on with the, they gave me a helmet with a visor on because they knew I just sustained a major eye injury. Yeah. And I was like, take that shit off. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not gonna go out there. You know what I mean? And try and play a role with that. And so I. I never wore it. You know what I mean? I was like, well, that was your thing, I guess. So, well, yeah. I mean, it's again. I wasn't thinking too clearly. Probably it was just a meathead, and it was just like it was an ego thing. You know what I mean? There's no. If it was about rational behavior, I would. Yeah. I'm sure I would have. But it wasn't. You know I, mean, I mean, I'm. I'm. I relate completely with you and like yeah. what your identity was, because like when I play football. I felt like it was my job out there to make big hits. Like yeah. I wasn't the guy who was going to burn you up the sideline. Yeah. You know, scoring touchdowns. Yeah. I scored touchdowns, but. Yeah. It was after I ran over like three people. Yeah, so yeah like, no, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure I would have done the same thing if yeah. I had a, an eye injury like that. Um, and then last question: Can you just tell us a little bit more about uh, Hemp Heels, uh, your organization, and also 
you know, where we could find you online? Yeah, for sure. So it, it was, uh, it was the summer of 2011 when I retired, I really, you know, I think that last season I wasn't playing a whole lot. I really, you know, started my, you know, my, my journey in self-discovery and all that good stuff. But I, I'd done a lot of charity and, and, uh, in, in the past, but I think it was, uh, you know, fueling the problem and not, not the right stuff I needed to do. So I created my own, created, uh, uh, the Hemp Heals Foundation in 2011. And it's, you know, really dedicated to promoting, you know, uh, cannabis and hemp as a viable uh, resource and, um, you know, showing it in its all in all its forms from, you know, from food, from a food source to biomass to textiles to medicine uh, and, and, and you name it. Um, because I think um, as we look around the planet, the industrial revolution has caused a lot of uh, hardship on our planet and our, and, our, and our own human health. So we need to change something, you know, we can't keep... Uh, you know, pulling oil and, and making chemicals and spraying them everywhere and spraying our food and putting them you know, every which way around us and not, not have a, you know, have some sort of impact. So, you know, hemp is, uh, is opposite of that. It doesn't require any pesticides. is a, a fast growing, um, very sustainable plant and it can do virtually everything. So it's uh, it's, it's a no brainer for me. And I see how a cannabis plant heals, um, the, the human body, but it also, it's, it's a unbelievable, uh, um, you know, cleaner of the soil. It's actually known as a mop crop, and you know, it, it pulls the contaminants out of the soil. Actually, we're doing a a, um, a pilot program through Lehigh University right now. Is one of the one of our licenses actually gr- to grow, uh, you know, a, an old coal mine, you know, as a, a phytoremediation crop. So we're trying to pull the uh, extract the toxins out of it. So nothing but positive. So it's you know, again, it's uh, it's something that a lot of people don't know much about, but uh, the impact it can have on you know environment, human health, and, and local economy is. Uh, you know, people don't have a, have a clue. So it's kind of bringing that to the forefront. Everyone's focused on so much of the medical cannabis, not focused on, you know, the other 95% of the plant, which right. is the hemp, you know what I mean? Which can really, really change the way we do things. So, yeah. So I'm, you know, been, uh, you know, nose deep in that for, you know, six, seven years now. And, uh, and I love it. It's just creating more opportunity and, you know, just learning so much, so much of and meeting farmers and seeing how it can impact everything. It's just, right. uh, it's, it's very, very rewarding for me, um, you know, personally, you know, but spiritually, you know what I mean? It's just, I feel like, uh, you know, the soul talks to you and when you're doing the right thing, it talks to you and when you're doing the wrong thing, it talks to you. And I think, uh, it's, it's, I'm certainly on the right path with it because it's, uh, you know, everything is changing. You know, the medical establishment is changing. You know, the agriculture is changing, and they they're seeing it. You know what I mean? So, it's 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 rewarding to know that I wasn't uh, far off. You know, when I did this. Yeah, you know I mean, I mean you're, it seems like you're on the forefront of that in yeah. 2011. So, um, you guys got a website? Or? We do. Yeah, hempheelsfoundation.com, and okay. uh, we have uh, an event on August 4th, the Hemp Heels Festival. It'll be your sixth annual. So we have about you know 16 or so vendors. Great music with Revolution, Nako, Medicine for the People, Collie uh, Buds, Irie, and DJ Mackle. So cool. pretty good lineup and just, you know, good atmosphere, great venue. Might so. have to try to stop by. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Come by. Let me know. And then where can people find you, you on social media? I'm on uh, Twitter. It's uh, Riley Coyote, R-I-L-E-E-C-O-Y-O-T-E. And then the same for uh, Instagram. And then uh, just Riley Coyote on Facebook. So. Cool. Yeah. Well, Riley, thanks a lot for yeah, coming no on the podcast and me, man. sharing Appreciate your story. It, yeah. man. Uh, it was really great. And the whole time I was thinking, like, there's just like great highlights in this uh, this episode. A lot of cool things, and you exposed and opened my mind to the sport of hockey and really the role that enforcers play. And yeah. Really, their importance in, in the game too. So I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Thank you.